For months, we have talked about the supply chain. We've talked about how, how it's broken, how it needs to be fixed, not just the current supply chain issues, but the supply chain in general. I've spoken at length on many occasions in the past about how we need to bring back more manufacturing here in the United States, which would alleviate many of the problems that we're facing with waiting for ships from China or Taiwan or, or South Korea or wherever, ships from everywhere. You know, waiting for them to some to, to get unloaded, to dock, and all this other stuff. It just it doesn't make any sense. Why can't we build stuff here? Now, people will say that, well, you can't because it'll be too expensive. And I have made that argument myself in the past with certain items. I want to be clear. You know, I you can say, oh, it's it's just costs way too much to build an iPhone here. People won't pay for it. Okay. Well, but why does it cost so much to build an iPhone here? Let's figure that problem out first. And then figure out how do we build more iPhones here? I'm not an economist. I'm not trying to solve that problem. I just want to talk about the hypocrisy that's happening with the supply chain and more importantly, the, the actions by Georgia's rhino governor, uh, Brian Kemp. Now, when the truth starts coming out, we often say, oh, this is good. You know, they're, Georgia's declaring a state of emergency over the supply chain shortages. So, so that's a good thing. They're at least acknowledging they're trying to fix the problem, except they're not. Okay, they're using this problem, as they often do, people in government, Republicans, Democrats, doesn't matter. Not everybody, there are some good ones, but for the most part, the majority of people in government use problems to, to try to find solutions that will benefit them, benefit their re-election, benefit their, their pocketbooks, benefit their, their cronies, benefit somebody other than the actual people. Okay, Hegelian dialectic, it's, it's happening over and over again, right? Well, this article here, this is from Organic, The Organic Prepper, one of my favorite sites. The Organic Prepper, Aiden Tate, one of my favorite authors, declares Georgia, well, he doesn't declare, but Georgia, <laughs> the article headline is, Georgia declares a state of emergency over supply chain shortages. So, again, state of emergency, that's something that if there's not really an emergency, it's, it's a horrible thing. And we've seen that with, with COVID-19. But even when there is an emergency, sometimes it's a very bad thing as well. There is an emergency with food shortages, with the supply chain crisis. Okay, I'm not trying to say that there's not. But when, when you have governors starting to declare emergency powers to try to solve them, nine times out of ten, they don't actually solve the problems. Okay, And this is one of those cases where I think that, that what Brian Kemp is doing is actually going to make things worse, according to the article. Things have, ha have apparently gotten so bad in Georgia that the governor has now declared that the state is living under a state of emergency due to supply chain shortages. Republic Republican Brian Kemp decreed this executive order on April 14th, stating that COVID was the reason for all economic distress and supply chain issues within the state of Georgia. Now that, of course, folks, is a lie. Just FYI. Kemp locked down Georgia at the beginning of 2020, and Georgians received another notification in November 2020 that they would be locked down again for another two months. The unconstitutional lockdowns aren't mentioned within the executive order as being the cause of the economic woes of the people of Georgia. And again, that's a perfect illustration of what I was saying earlier. You know, that it wasn't, they created the problem. So many politicians did, including Brian Kemp, a Republican. He created the problem by engaging in lockdowns that created an economic crisis within his state, and now he's using the economic crisis within his state to establish even more emergency powers that he's going to use to, it's rinse and repeat, folks, 
Emergency, emergency, emergency. I'm not saying we're not in an emergency situation. Okay, I just posted, you know, I was talking yesterday about how basically food shortages are inevitable. Okay, they're they're going to happen. We're in trouble. It's time to get prepared. Okay, I, I'm not that guy that goes around, you know, screaming about how bad things are, or at least I didn't used to be. Now I am. I have to be. We all have to be. It's that bad. Back to the article. Does Kemp now have unlimited powers? It's a good question. From the wording of his executive order, it appears so. As he cites within the order, Code Section 38-3-28 says that, quote, all orders, rules, and regulations promulgated by the governor have the force and effect of law. This gives the appearance that Georgia is no longer ruled by law, but instead by decree. The order cites Code Section 38-3-51, saying that Kemp now gets to, quote, assume direct operational control of all civil forces and helpers in the state, and that he can do whatever is necessary to promote and secure the safety and protection of the civilian population. When they start screaming, you know, safety and security, oh, watch out. Because, again, they do not have your best interests in mind. I'm not saying all of them. I think there are times when when government officials, some honest ones, the handful that are honest, that they are trying to actually fix problems. But again, you know, we've as, as I've said many times in the past, government, they don't solve problems. They create problems. The best way to govern is by not. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anarchy. I'm saying limiting government's power, letting the people, letting the free market Letting freedom reign, letting these things solve the problems. And in those rare situations where the free market and the power of the individual and the power of the people united, when that can't solve a problem, okay, government can step in. This is not one of those situations. Okay, The best way to solve the, the crisis with the supply chain is to get government out of the way. And I'm not just talking about our government. I'm talking about all governments. Get them out of the way. Let's fix this ourselves. We can do it incentivize. But anyway, I digress. At the moment, do the three branches of government exist within the state of Georgia? From the wording of this executive order, it appears as if there is the executive branch, and that's it. According to this, price gouging is now considered to be illegal. No specific rate of markup is defined to delineate what exactly price gouging is. I suppose that this is left up to the direction of whoever shows up to enforce this new order, right? Makes sense. Awesome. Will the shop owner have to prove how much he paid for an item to avoid being fined and or being sent to jail? Will shop owners be forced to accept lower profit margins that they are used to in order to avoid being labeled a price gouger? What will this do for business? Uh, I can already answer that. It's going to destroy businesses just as the lockdowns did, just as every economic policy that we've had in the last year as a nation. They've been focused on destroying small businesses. And oddly enough, you'll notice that the big corporations, I'm not one of those guys, I'm not anti-corporation, but when it comes to lobbying, when it comes to control over what happens, the big corporations have much more power than over, over policy than we do, much more power than small business owners do. And they wield this power, and this is why they're getting bigger, they're getting richer, and small businesses, medium-sized businesses, are suffering as a result. Back to the article. To help with the supply chain problems, it was apparently thought that there needed to be longer hours for truckers. <laughs> wow. 
Part 395 of Title 49 of the Code of Federal Regulations, the part that dictates how many hours a semi-trucker driver can operate his rig, has now been removed from Georgia as well. A clause was added to explicitly state that no carrier could force any of their truck drivers to work when they were either ill or fatigued as well. Oh, how nice of them, right? That's, that's, that's very nice. You can't force them to work longer. They're not slaves, technically, but we are going to lift the limitations so that, so that they can and almost certainly will work longer. That puts everybody at risk. That puts the supply chain, in my opinion, further at risk, but I digress. At the very bottom of his, this executive order, Kemp added that if any part of the order is found to be, quote, in violation of the Georgia Constitution, in violation of Georgia law, or unenforceable in any respect, such as invalidity, violation, or unenforceability, shall not affect any other provisions of this order. But, in such case, this order shall be construed as if such an invalid, illegal, or unenforceable provision had never been contained within the order. Now, you might say, what in the world does that mean? That means that they know. They know that there's going to be pushback. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to protect. They're, they're partitioning everything off. In other words, if you say, oh, you can't say that. You can't, you can't put this in there about price gouging. That the, a judge won't be able, well, they won't be able to, but a judge is less likely to say, oh, you know, you can't, you can't do that. So we're striking the entire, the entire executive order. That's, again, still possible. But this, technically speaking, you know, this creates the potential for a fight to keep the executive order in place, even if parts of it are shot down. That's important because that means that people are going to have to. Anybody who's fighting for freedom, anybody who's fighting Brian Kemp, they're going to have to go and fight against every aspect of it. Okay? If the legislature wants to fight it, they're going to fight, have to fight against each individual component that they don't like. Then you could say, well, yeah, but they could go after the whole thing, and they should, and I'm sure they will. This is just, I wouldn't say it's a bluff, but it is an, an attempt to, to preserve uh, the, the whole of the bill, even if individual parts of it are struck down. This is likely the first domino to fall, according to Aiden Tate. There is no reason to believe that there won't be more states to make similar proclamations in the near future. There's no reason to believe that just by extending the number of hours that a trucker can drive, that there will be an easing of the supply chain issues within Georgia within the next 30 days either. The current supply chain issues are multifactorial, and there's no reason to believe that squeezing three to five extra hours per week will just cause things to get better. If there's no product to begin with, there's nothing to ship. <sighs> Last part that I'm going to read at least. Let Georgia serve as the canary in the coal mine for you. Now, before I read this part, that is very important. You know, one of the things that, that makes the United States strong, and it used to do it much better than it does today, we've become much more federalized, uh, really, since FDR, but one of the things that should, in theory, make the United States stronger is that we can use the states as testing grounds, okay? You, you like a policy? You think a policy can fly? Don't try to, to impose it on everybody. Go to the state level. Even go to the, the county and, and city level. Push an idea, push a concept, try it out, see what the effects are, see what the benefits and the and the detriments are from that proposed policy. And then other states can decide, hmm, does this work, does this not work? We see this a little bit, but it really should be the model that we can expand on. Talk about innovation. 
You know, talk about having, you know, 50 different laboratories of democracy out there. This is how, how we were envisioned. And I'm talking about the founders. Now, obviously, they weren't thinking about 50. They were looking at, at far fewer than that. Okay? But still, even with 13, that was still an opportunity for the laboratories of our constitutional republic to shine through and demonstrate whether or not a policy or a concept or a proposal made sense. If it can work one place, it might be able to work in other places. If it doesn't work in one place, it may not work in other places. But at least if we can see the results of what happened, we can innovate, we can improve on, or we can completely abandon these ideas. That makes so much more sense than this entire, you know, uh, push for federalizing everything. Centralizing government, generally speaking, is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. We should be United States, okay, with the emphasis on states. States' rights have been, have been usurped. Okay, the Tenth Amendment is crystal clear, and yet for some reason, it seems as if every constitutional scholar and every judge and every politician for the last 50 years has completely ignored that concept. And I shouldn't say every, the, vast, the majority, okay? There are still people out there fighting, fighting for states' rights, fighting for, for the proper checks and balances, because only when we have states that are, are basically equal to the federal government, I'm not saying individual states, I'm talking about the, the union of states being as important as what comes out of D.C. Until we have that again, which we only have for a short time, but until we have that, then we don't really have a proper functioning government, at least not one that can function at its best level. It's the states that have the ability to push back, at least they should. It's the states that have the ability to try things out and to make things better for everybody. Why don't we see that anymore? Why does everybody focus on Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, on the White House, on the Supreme Court? No! That should be the bottom rung of the power. Power tree, power hierarchy. Government should start with the individual and the family. That should be the top. We should be self-governing. And then from there... It works its way down to the community, into the city, into the county, into the state, and then finally to the federal government as the, the net, the, the bottom net that catches everything else. Okay? Things can't get sorted out from top to bottom. Once it gets to the bottom, okay, that's the safety net to make sure that, that fine, we got to make sure that we have roads, interstate roads. That makes sense. Okay? That does make sense. We've got to make sure we have border walls. That makes total sense, and I don't even know why it's being contested. What's happening in Georgia is, the, in effect, what we're talking about here with the laboratories of democracy, the laboratories of our constitutional republic. Unfortunately, it's a bad experiment. Okay, you got a mad scientist in Brian Kemp trying to do what he should not be doing. Back to the article. Beginning in the middle of the South... Georgia is typically considered to be a relatively conservative area, minus the city of Atlanta, of course. If the governor there is willing to give an executive order that appears to drastically expand his powers and seemingly shutter the other branches of government, what could happen in your state? If, I'm out here in California, so I'm already shuddering at the prospect. If supply chain problems can lead to state of emergencies being declared uh, that dictate how much you can charge for an item, how long will it be before further measures are taken in Georgia. And really, 
everywhere else. Once it is realized that extended trucker hours don't help with inf uh, when inflation has wrecked the economy, what next steps will be taken to, quote, solve the crisis? Will confiscation of privately owned food from hoarders be used to, to fight this crisis? Will further powers be granted to Georgia's governor? Perhaps gas rationing will come into place? What do you expect to see? And that really is the question. We need to know what's coming. And this looks like a very bad omen. I wish I could give you guys great news every day. I really do. I want to be a positive show. I wish that were possible. But in today's world, it just seems like every day I have to expose more and more negative, more and more ugly, more and more just evil that's happening in the world. So be it. I'll be back tomorrow doing the same thing. <laughs> Lord willing, I will be back tomorrow to do the same thing. But in the meantime, stay strong, stay safe, and God bless you.